0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Motivated Lawn Care Show. I'm your host, Caleb Nguyen. And today uh I'm kind of excited for this one. It was a little bit of a short notice show. Um, but uh I do want to say this before we even jump into this because I know that some of the episodes are very like it's very like jovial and it's it's kind of like uh, you know, you're just on the mower bouncing around, you catch a little bits here and there. Maybe you do something with it, maybe you don't. Either way, you're just entertained while you're you're out working or or relaxing or going for a long walk, whatever it looks like for you. But I want you guys to take this one seriously. Um, I'm having a lot of really cool guys that I'm, um, you know, come on the show, and I'm hoping to have like a little bit of like a millionaire month where I do like an interview a week with guys who are running really big operations. And I'd love for this to be to be like a kickoff for that. I've got a couple of buddies that um, maybe come on the show and maybe some return guests to uh, run some pretty decent businesses. But I want you guys to to take this to heart. I want you guys to listen up a little bit. Um, if it takes you guys, you know, a second to pause. And, and listen, or maybe you want to, to come back to this later when you have a second to focus and to pay attention. I've got some really cooker questions. And uh, I've got a really, really cool guy here who's, who's got quite the business going on right now. And I definitely want to pick his brain about that. A little bit about my guest. How do you how do you pronounce your your last name?
1: My last name is pronounced Buczynski.
0: Okay, we have uh, we have Chester Buczynski. Um, he is the the owner of Big Lakes Lawn Care. Uh, out in Michigan, and uh, they they have quite the operation going. I won't uh, I won't reveal specifics. I don't know how open you want to be about the the specific numbers, but uh, upwards of we'll say upwards of five million is that fair in revenue mm-hmm. this year? North of five, that's fair. That's safe to say. Okay, it's a it's a good size operation, and uh, he's got he's got a great thing going. I think I think we were talking earlier, and he said eight years from from scratch from the the YouTube and how to start a lawn care business and all that super basic stuff. To the point where he's at today, which is incredible. Uh less than a decade and all the way to a point that most people would aspire to reach by the end of their careers. Um and I just wanna I wanna give him a warm welcome. And so Chester, welcome to welcome to the show. Thank you for thank you for hopping on with us.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me, Caleb.
0: I'm excited to uh to chat. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to dive in by first because I don't have all the specific details. Um you know you're not uh you know, you don't have a, a million uh, followers on YouTube, so there's not too much out there about you and your, and your business that I could find. So do you want to give me a, a rundown of the story of the journey of your business? Obviously, we were talking a little bit um, earlier about how you've come from, like I said, being searching up, hey, how to start a long hair business on YouTube and um, in eight years going to the point where your your business is doing over five million in revenue. I think you said you own a lot of stuff outright as well, which is crazy. Um you know, do you want to give us a little bit of a, of a glimpse of, of what that journey looked like? Why did you start the business? So hopefully I want to do this so that it resonates with specific people who say this similar reason why I started my business. So they resonate, maybe listen up a little bit more. But what did that look like? And I can get to a little bit of a feeler for some other questions that I can add on from there.
1: Sure. Great question. So uh, like a lot of us, I think I, I started the business because I was doing it anyway. Um, I got exposed to the industry and uh, then decided I wanted a business of my own. So there was a little gap in there. Uh, after high school, I went to college for two days, found out that wasn't my jam, and uh, I went to work. And I ended up being exposed to the lawn and landscape industry. So I was working and worked there for four years, spent some time at like a good mid sized company and learned a lot about the field side of the business and never really advanced much in that company. But I saw a lot of things that I maybe would have done differently, right? So, um, after that, I then got into engineering. I became a crane operator for a handful of years. And during that time, I had a, I had a couple of false starts of business throughout my younger years, high school, whatever. And then when I was in crane operating space, I, I tried to buy a business with a partner. And um, the partner pulled out and I got cold feet and we lost our deposit. That sucked. That fell through. So, it was like a heavy lift for me to even just commit to starting it, right? But um, I did. So I uh, eventually just decided, hey, I'm going to go for this thing. And I, I bought a truck, I bought some equipment, and I hired a guy right off the bat. And I think one of the things that's been a little unique and kind of a hidden blessing about my story is that I kept my day job until we were over a million in revenue. Wow. And I was out of the field from the beginning. I never was doing, I never did any field work in my business. Wow. Um, I, would do, I would do the occasional I'd go out with a crew whenever I still go out and like shovel snow in the winter yeah. and like show up on people and grab a tool but generally speaking like I was at work every day so I had to really learn how to build a functional business mm. that didn't require me to be there every day yeah so uh built you know started building Exceeded a million in revenue and finally got the courage to quit my day job, came into the business full time and really was able to, um, you know, contribute and impact our growth in, in some key areas. And uh, now here we are, um, you know, continuing to scale up. We're diversifying a bit, starting to vertically integrate some other stuff. And uh, I'm a member of a, or like a leader on a peer group now also. And I'm um, just contributing anywhere I can to, to people in business, people in this industry.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, how long did it take for you to get to the million dollar mark while you were working this other day, uh, like this other job? What was that? What was that like? How long did it take? Uh, Year three,
1: we were, we came to a million, we we did like 950 in our third year. And then the following year did 1.5. That's
0: crazy. That's crazy. What did kind of the year over year growth look like for you over those eight years? We did,
1: we did a hundred percent growth like every year, right in the beginning. And it was, uh, it was just my thing. Is like, well, let's get one truck, and then next year we'll have two, and then we'll have four, and then we'll have eight, right? Mm-hmm. And then the year we had to get 16 trucks. Like, you obviously faltered a little bit because it gets harder as the numbers get bigger. Yeah. But it was – that was like my dummy-proof way. Like I told you, I was in college for two days, so I was like, let's just double it, right? Yeah. Let's just double everything we do, and uh, the company will double. And I've always been – Somebody told me early on in business that, like, you're not going to cut your way to a a really big, really – a business that runs on its own, where you can have autonomy, where you can do cool stuff, where you can really start to print some wealth. Um, you're not going to cut your way there. So I was, I was probably to a fault. I was too focused on growth in the early years and neglected our margins. But I always thought, hey, I would rather have a, a multi-million dollar company that I have – there's so much room to optimize that business, and there's yeah. so many – so many, um, economies of scale in a business like that. Hmm. That in the early years, I was just throwing everything, but the kitchen sink right back into it, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were growth was the, the word for a lot of years.
0: Okay. All right. Give me a, give me a little bit of a picture because right now I'm kind of in that funny place where it's like, I'm trying to, I always started out doing the field work. A lot of the younger guys, obviously there's very few people who start out like you did, where you know, they hired someone and it was just full-time like, hey, I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing and uh, we'll catch up on the weekend and see what's going on. It, it was always just kind of field work for me. And so I'm trying to get out of the field so that I can just focus on some more things. I've got a lot of things coming up this summer in my personal life. And I'm just trying to like optimize and get to the place where I can do that in the first place, but still make good margins and set the business up for growth the next year. Because you not only had like a day job, and a lawn care business, but you grew, like you said, doubled like every year until you got to a million dollars. So what did, what did that even look like? How did you structure things out? Like, give me a rough, a rough idea so I can ask some more pointy questions.
1: So, and it was hard. I mean, in the, and this is another case to be made for a little bigger business, a little nicer. It's cause like if I have 50 guys and three don't show up, well, we can fill in, right? But if you have five guys and three don't show up, that's 60% of your employees are gone. Mm-hmm. So, in the in the early years, that was very apparent. Like, if I have two employees and one doesn't show up, we're behind. We're in trouble right off the of bat. But, uh, and, and that's how it was. So, in the very beginning, I had one employee, right? And um, I sort of cast a vision for him and tried to tie him into this thing. Like, look, I'm going to be gone every day, but we're going to build a really Good business here. I'm going to take very good care of you. Um, I'm going to give you stability. I'm going to give you good pay. I'm going to incentivize you with some performance stuff and get creative with it. And uh, honestly, that first employee fell through. So I had to go, it fell apart on me. He started collecting money from my customers. He just was going to doors and saying, Hey, Chester told me that I'm going to collect the money now at every cut. And a couple of them were like, Okay. And so they gave him a check. And then I found out about it and fired him. And it was like, boom leveled you're back to square one yikes so but that's again this example like people there would just quit right they'd be like oh people are people are bad right or you can't Mm -hmm. trust anyone or it's like it one bad thing will impact your belief system forever once bitten twice shy well luckily i didn't let that scare me away from trying again so um again, here, here we are. Now I have one employee again. I'm going to start all over with this guy. And and I mm. found somebody, found a few key people in the beginning that uh, were dedicated and relatively consistent and I could build around them. But also I was so intense on on building that business, just building it big so that I had more redundancy and I didn't have to rely on one person anymore. Um, so, so that was like sort of a key of the early years, but it was a struggle. And then what else happened is that because I was at work every day, I was forced to um, build some better recruitment policies. I was I was forced to build a bench of people that I could have on backup in case somebody didn't come in or in case things went sideways. Right. So I was forced to, like, work on the business systems, whereas if if one of your guys didn't show up, a lot of times it's the owner. Oh, well, I'll go fill in. Right. And I'll go cut lawns for a day. Well, you just spent a whole 10 hours of your day cutting lawns you could have spent 10 hours making better hiring ads, mm. right? Or making a better incentive program so that your employees don't quit. So, and I didn't know that then. I was just like, crap, I'm at work. What do I do? So at lunch, I would post a bunch of Craigslist ads and it forced me to work on the right problem.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's good. Now, we, we've we had some some fun stuff uh, ourselves with the business where I'm just like, I've, I did exactly what you just said, like, I was like, well, shoot, I guess I'm going to have to step in, right? One of my, my main guy was, it was literally the week that I got back from Africa. Like I was in America for the first time in, you know, months. And uh, that week he had left for vacation and we had someone who was supposed to be trained and and ready to go. And then another guy fell through and then it was just crazy. And uh, I ended up having to go out into the field and it was like, man, it killed my productivity overall. And I'll be honest with you, like I get a little bit grumpy if I'm in the field every day. Like I come home and because I have to do the office work too, it ends up being like a, a you know a 14, 16 hour day. So I'm gonna be a little bit grumpy and just unhappy all the time and just tired all the time. Um what did that look like? Let's jump right into let's jump right into hiring because you've you've had quite the um, you know, obviously your company's a, a decent size now. How many, how many guys do you have working for you now? About fifty. Okay. And, and what did the process look like? Obviously, you had a little bit of a runway to pick up that many guys. What did the process look like? What are you doing practically to recruit guys? Um, are you doing Craigslist? Are you doing Facebook? Are you on Indeed? Are you asking your guys who they know? Like, what does that look like for you guys?
1: All of the above, for sure. Just the way you'll market in all these different places to get customers. You need to start treating the employee game that way. Yeah. Um, you need to realize that like they are the lifeblood of your business and they make you money and they work for you. Right. So you, and they produce, right. They take care of the customer. You don't, they do. So you should re repoint point some of your resources at getting people. And I, for guys your age, um, I think you might've realized that early on. And luckily I did too. My business is relatively young. So hiring has always been hard. Like, mm-hmm. It's always like you schedule 10 interviews and six of them don't show up, right? And then yeah. the, guy, and the two you hire, one doesn't show up on the first day. I'm used to that. I'm relatively used to that. So I really think that guys that have been in business for 20 years, when, you know, back in 08, which you probably don't remember, but, you know, major economic recession. Like you could stick a hiring sign up front and have 35 people just line up. Um, that were overqualified, so people get used to that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hard time, easy times make people soft, or whatever those analogies. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, for guys like us, uh, we realized that hiring is a priority. So, consequently, my whole team, my whole leadership team, knows it's a priority. So, their compass is wired towards getting the right people, and our budget reflects it, right? You You look at companies as like. They spend a hundred grand on advertising and then they spend five grand on recruiting. It's like, well, you need to be advertising for employees. You need to be selling people on why to work for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a, it's a mindset shift, I think. And I think that it gets easier as you get bigger. I think you're, I think a lot of, a lot of stuff that I didn't realize early in the business is like your facility matters, like your equipment matters, your demeanor, the way, the onboarding, your first day, what was it like? Was I trained? All those little nuanced stuff that, I mean, as guys, I personally didn't care a whole lot. When I was in this industry, I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna go in and work all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that, re- that stuff really does matter. So like, since getting a new facility, our recruiting efforts have been more successful. And um, it's a compounding thing. It's like, if you just keep piling it on day after day and working on just making your business better for everybody mm-hmm. all across the board, um eventually those things start to start to pay dividends
0: okay yeah so casting a wide net let me let me write that down so casting a wide net it sounds like you're you're doing a little bit of that you're all over the place um in different mediums um that kind of thing anything that'll get you uh, an interview with somebody just because some people are only looking on craigslist some people are only looking on indeed some people are you aren't even looking for a job and then they see your ad on facebook and maybe it's a better opportunity for them no i do like that and you know you I like to say this um, you attract who you are um, especially when it comes to like your facility how clean is your are your trucks and stuff like that and like are we doing uniforms are we doing how's the onboarding look and that kind of stuff and I'll be honest with you that's an area that like I'm definitely lacking so that's a good like kicking the shorts of like not only do you attract who you are um, but you attract who your company is as well where it's like what is your like when they come in to get interviewed i've heard this multiple times are you like you know throwing tools and like getting upset with people you know you know right before as they walk up they pull up and you're throwing stuff and yelling at people and stuff like that they're going to turn right around and and leave you know so that's good um that's definitely that's definitely for sure something i need to work on and and, and treating it like you would with advertising let's uh let's pivot to um let pivot to the marketing side. Obviously, you have a a, a good sized business that you grew in, not not a lot, a lot of time. What did it look like you for you? I know uh you might have like a split. I don't know if you guys are mostly residential or mostly commercial, but how were you picking up so many clients so quickly? What were you doing to to acquire that? Good stuff. Good questions.
1: And also, I want to backpedal one. Yeah. When uh you're talking about when the people come in for the interview and the guys like cussing, yelling, whatever, and they're like, "Wow, I don't want to work here." Yeah. Um No, I did. So we would have an we had an issue like I just alluded to, where like you schedule a bunch of interviews and half of them even show up. Yeah, right. But then it's like when they do show up, usually you can close them. So mm. so it's it's like a funnel where you need to identify where do people, where are the leaks in my funnel? Do I yeah. simply need more volume, or do I need better qualified candidates mean my screening is weak or do I need, where's the leak? Well, the leak in our funnel for a long time was just getting people to show up. And uh, so we started buying them breakfast. So I'd say, cool, Caleb. Yeah. Your interview is Tuesday at eight o'clock. Looking forward to seeing you. Um, What do you want for breakfast? Right. Like breakfast sandwich, or you want a bagel or a biscuit. And uh, we would just get breakfast sandwiches and all morning, we would just stack interviews and just feed them. And, sure enough the amount of people that actually showed up for their interview increased because they got a bagel breakfast sandwich and a coffee yeah um, so it's one of those things where like you apply a little little strategy a little business creativity to it and uh, you yeah can see results yeah yeah also tell so, me
0: tell me a little bit about the marketing how'd you grow so quick definitely marketing.
1: first thing i did is i was like okay i'm gonna start my business so i'm gonna call all my competitors so i went online and in the phone book and whatever and just found like my 50 top competitors and I called them. And when I called them, I kind of just felt my way through it, depending on how they answered the phone. Sometimes I would say like, can I have a quote or are you hiring? Or I would just start, I would just ask them as many questions as I could get before they started like getting a little suspicious or it got weird. Yeah. Um, and I was doing like market research, right? Well, what I found is that over half of the companies that I called didn't answer their telephone. I was like, these are like, these are my competitors, right? I could be a customer. They don't answer their telephone. So we made door hangers in the beginning and it said, we answer the phone. And then I put my logo and I put a few of our services and I put my cell phone number on it. When people called, I answered. And that was our, that was like the chink in the armor of our market was just, just being responsive. Mm. And still to this day, we have door hangers, we have Google ads. We have a bunch of headlines that say we answer the phone and we staff, you know, there's days where we'll get 300 calls and um, we staff with the ability to answer the phone. So that was one early, but you know, you got to do all the above with marketing. You got to, it's, it's again, it's like omnipresence. You have to be doing multiple things to show up for people in different places and you have to measure what works and double down on it and be always experimenting.
0: Not to any anything pointed any specifics I know you said door hangers, Google ads that kind of stuff anything specific that you found works um and worked for your business I know it might be a little bit different area to area, but what are some specific things that you found worked really well
1: mm-hmm. so in the early days we would do door hangers because it's a low it's a low cost because if I'm the owner I, I would go out after work I'd go work and then after at night I'd go hang door hangers all day and like yeah. a little clicker and count them so so low cost and, and door hangers are good because you can deploy in a specific neighborhood. So when you're, when you're getting started, if I could go back and do this all over again, number one thing, I would have kept my area much, much smaller. Just from the very beginning, I would have kept my area smaller. So door hangers are good because you can dominate a little area. Um, of course, you want to have your trucks with, a, with a, at least have a door magnet on it, have something. Because the amount of business that you get from people just seeing you is is astronomical. And if they see you, chances are you're in their neighborhood, meaning you can service them. Um, Signs. We would stick signs in any customer that would be willing to let us because those are just like brand recognition in a small area, right? Um, Then we started asking our customers for referrals. And we built our referral program up with like a rewards program, a points program that uh, was powerful Now, as you get bigger, so, and from the very beginning, you want to be doing SEO, want to be doing social. And then as we've gotten bigger now, it's like the ball of the snowball is kind of rolling down the hill. Now, most of our marketing spend goes to paid ads online. And, um, and I would also be pushing reviews really strong. So, of course, have like a Google My Business or whatever and ask your customers. Uh, ask them for a review because Google I think is going to be here for the long run. And Google's algorithm is predicated largely on reviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, How new are they? How many of them do you have? So to have a really strong profile online will accelerate your SEO. And so now 90% of our leads come from SEO and paid spend online because we're just so dominant in our local market, Mm -hmm. but that was supplemented in the early years by sweat equity. Like, door hangers, lawn signs, sticking a lawn sign on all the corners of the expressways. Yeah. Calling all your customers asking for a referral, calling all your customers asking for a review for as long as you can just just pound that, those types of things that you can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And have you seen it like be a possibility for someone to grow later in the season? It's super dry where I am. So not a lot of people like the, the phone is not ringing because of how dry it is. Have you seen a lot of growth mid-season, or is it mostly that spring time that you just have to get while the getting is good?
1: Yeah, so we get the majority of our sales in spring, April, May, still to this day. And we just we know that's part of the business, and we staff for it. But you can definitely flatten that, cur- that bell curve of spring rush and, and keep it a little more level with your marketing efforts. But the other thing you want to be thinking about is um, – my cost to to get a lead or my cost to get a client, right? Mm. Well, after the spring rush, you'll see that leads cost you more because mm. you need to you need to penetrate a little deeper into your market to get people to to call you so you to spend more. And so there's a little bit of a math problem there if you're like, okay, well, customers are costing me more to acquire now and it's October. Yeah, I really it's time to, to spend, make money. Yeah. Yeah. Do I want to spend two hundred dollars to acquire a fifty dollar lawn cut if there's four cuts left in the season right or do i just hunker down batten down the hatch a little bit and and wait till next spring to deploy this marketing spend
0: yeah yeah no that's good that's that's kind of some specific stuff for us and i'm just thinking of a couple of things as you're saying things i'm like i'm it's like you know the things that you're supposed to do and sometimes it's just like the disconnect between knowing and doing is sometimes what kills you um Mm -hmm. Talk totally to me a little true. a little bit more because we were talking about like organizational structure, like how you structure your teams, how you structure your guys, how many guys you guys run into a crew, how do you set up, like who's doing your financials, who's answering the phone, who's on your sales team, like what does that look like, how have you structured your business and how did you structure your business as you've grown and maybe how would you structure your business as you're growing from being a smaller quarter million dollars a year or less to being a multi-million dollar business, how would you do that again, what does that look like for so- you? Yeah,
1: so there's really two types of CEOs. There is a sales-focused CEO, and there's an like operations-focused CEO. So mm-hmm. a sales-focused CEO is like really good on pe- with people, really good with selling, dealing with customers. It's fun to close a big sale. They're kind of go go go, pivot. Can maybe have like a little ADD in them, um, charismatic, you know. And then and this is a generalization but then there's like operations focused CEOs and that's the guy that likes putting the plants in the ground he likes the equipment and the and working on stuff and being hands on and getting dirty and he like showing up with his boots on every day right so in the beginning if you know I'm I'm sales focused or I'm operations focused you can sort of build out um the people you need right you the game of business ultimately becomes Getting people to do stuff for you, right? And you're the leader. Um, mm. But the the last things you keep is the stuff that you're good at, or the stuff that you enjoy doing. Is kind of a little bit of the selfish thing we get to do when you own a business. You just do the stuff you like. After a while, so that's kind of the high level picture. But now back down to the ground. So if mm-hmm. you're if you're sub five hundred thousand whether you're sales focused or operations focused like no matter what one of the key instrumental hires for you is some type of office person i i call it like an office manager um that's i hired one at 200,000 she was with me past 2 million one of the and i wish i i wish she still worked here one of the best individuals i ever had at the company
0: um, mm.
1: who started off part time and so this person in the beginning is is, is talking to customers, they're invoicing, they're collecting on people that aren't paying their bill, they're doing a little bit of marketing, kind of like an administrative helper who answers the phone and works on the computer um, so that you can be either, if you're sales focused, you can be out selling, right? Getting bigger jobs, selling work, talking to customers. Or if you're ops focused, you can be out managing crews and, and keeping the guys organized and keeping the machine moving. Um, that person in the background is very important. Then as you get bigger, you're always, no matter which type of CEO you are, you're always going to want then some kind of strong operational person. Mm. That's a person who can roll out the crews and answer their questions and fix a broken tool. Um, it could be like your lead foreman in the beginning, but somebody who you can just rely on to keep keep stuff moving operationally. Right. in um, Our world, I hired a guy who was a foreman of a crew, and they said, hey, dude, you're going to be the foreman of your crew, and you're going to kind of answer all the questions from this other crew. So every morning, get them out the door, and then you go out the door and run your route. You're kind of a working manager. And then if that person has the bandwidth, you add another crew to them, right? And eventually, like, they're not running a crew anymore. You just keep stacking these things up. And and one thing to keep in mind as you're building your company is going to change, like, over time. It, business is not one of those things where it's like you got there and it's over. Right, like you made it. It's like a constant thing that you're participating in. Um. So ultimately, then you have to get yourself up. Where if you're sales, if you're the sales type CEO, you get eventually all the operations off your plate. The, the, the um, the management of the work, the install of the work, the mowing. You know, the, whatever it is, you get mostly all that stuff off your plate and you're, and then you start building your sales team and you become like the the sales leader. Mm. If you're operations focused, you need to get a really strong salesperson to keep selling you work and you build out the operations and eventually hire yourself operations managers or COO or whatever. Right. Um, Basically, if you stand back and look at a business, it was usually like, like three big, big boxes that you need to fill like the operations leader the sales leader and like the financial or data type person right right you need to get all three of those um and you need to continue taking hats off your head and giving other people and letting them start to do those jobs for you
0: right okay yeah that makes sense and so you're saying so even for like a business of my size right number one priority and i see it too where it's like we have our operations guy and we have me and like, I'm trying to do a little bit of sales, but it's like, it's killing me because I don't have time because I'm covering for office work and operations work too. Like, I can't focus just on that. And we have another guy um, who's kind of like, like you said, like a lead foreman, <clears throat> Philip, And he is basically, he's in the field some days, but then, you know, like he gets swamped at night. Like he works so late into the night because there's like invoicing and there's following up with clients and and picking up the phone and, and getting back to people and sending out more estimates and all that kind of stuff is just kind of bogging us down. It's killing him, honestly, the amount of hours that we're spending. So for you, um, you would say that's that's kind of the first thing you replace. How would I find a person like that? Is that just like an indeed throw it out there? Should I hire someone I know, put the put the word on the street? What would you do?
1: I would I would post an ad, uh, because it's a skill set that you're going to have to develop eventually. So a lot of people, myself included, uses a crutch. Like oh, I'll just hire my friend because I know them, and it somehow mm. feels easier. Right? But the skill set of of finding complete strangers, bringing them in, and interviewing them, and then showing them your expectations, and then working as a team to meet those goals and those expectations together is like a superpower. Like you have to learn how to do it. So and and you have. Uh, you're you're kicking ass right but this is a prime opportunity to do more of it so mm-hmm. I would I would list out some rough idea of the types of things they're going to be doing and then I would go online and search how to do some how to, how to write a good job ad right and kind right. of get an idea type of person you're looking for and outline the job and I would run some ads and start interviewing people and um and kind of vet out their qualifications and and find somebody and give them a job and try it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting now, the world we live in, I got, because I just got a taste of the TLM. Like I remember when the internet came out, right? In 33. So I kind of remember like going to the library, you know, and in the world we live in now, information is free and unlimited and accessible to all. So, you can just type in how to hire an office admin and you'll get a yeah. bazillion results. The new separator now is hard work. It's yeah. actually doing it because you can Google how to start, how to build a $10 million company. And, and if you dig around enough, you will find relevant information. Hmm. But the separator is that then people go, man, that sounds like a, a lot of work and they go, hang on, play video games. Cause that's the other thing we have access to is like, we're in such a first world environment that like you can just eat and sleep and play video games your entire life. And like, it's right there for you and it feels better. Mm -hmm. So most things now in business, just like it's good old fashioned hard work again. That's how you separate. That's how you beat your competition because everybody has the same information.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So looking back as well, and uh, I really like what you said there. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more on on um because i know it's something that like admittedly there's a lot of areas where i'm like i know the information like i'm at the point where i don't need to watch another video on how to do something i just need to go do the thing maybe i could get you know get it done 20 percent better or faster but it's going to take me you know 30 minutes an hour two hours half a day to go learn how to do it 20 percent better when i could have just done the thing and so i find myself doing that a lot where i'm like well you know i want to see what else is out there and i'm like why don't i just do what i know i need to do right now um before we jump into that though i want to know looking back because we were were talking a little bit earlier where my company's kind of at and where i'd like it to be and i'll be full transparency for so for all you guys on the show you get to hear some of my aspirations for the company my specific company um you know right now we're doing probably about a quarter million dollars to like maybe three hundred thousand dollars uh a year this year um And next year, I want to know, you know, what would it look like to add another truck for the winter, do two trucks snow, you know, from one crew to two, and then next season do a million dollars in revenue. What would you say that looks like? And then eventually get to the point where I can have a good exit. I'd love to have an exit that's, you know, very, very low, but like eight figure exit. Is that doable? What what would that even look like in your opinion from like your experience of growing a business up to the size that you have now? What would you do looking back?
1: So... Tell me this. If you were to get an eight figure exit, what would you go do?
0: Um, I would do uh more of this, more of helping other people. And then like I said, pursue the opportunities that have been presented to me. I don't want to give any super specifics, but like investment opportunities beyond that. Um, and I'm not saying that a lung care business couldn't be a great like end all be all business for me. Um, but I just don't see myself doing it at like 40 years old kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Got it.
1: Um, so here's the thing about this, this industry is it's, uh, it's a hidden gem, man. I mean, it is, it is scalable. It's repeatable recurring revenue, right? Why did Netflix beat Blockbuster? Because Blockbuster is like going to it's like getting a new patio, right? You just go in there once you rent movies, you spend the money, then you take them back and Blockbuster had no clue when you were going to come back again. Mm-hmm. So it's like a one-time sale. And that's how like landscape install is compared to mowing. Mowing is like Netflix, hey, 20 bucks a month forever, right? Mm-hmm. So so these landscape businesses have a recurring revenue piece to them, right? The competition isn't very sophisticated. Uh everybody needs it. It's almost become a standard commodity like that—you have your lawn mowed and fertilized. It's low-ticket items, so it's not like a huge discussion. It's—it's it's a really good business. They have enterprise value, so you can sell them uh, for a pretty strong multiple mm-hmm. if you build it the right way. Right. So, and what else you do is you learn to block and tackle in this business. My my intention early on was like, yeah, same thing as you. It was like, I'm going to build a big business and then take the passive income and go start something else. And that's totally a play versus like, I'm going to start a software company, right? Well, Jeez, yeah. that that is complicated. Uh, it's incredibly competitive. Most of your competitors are well-funded, meaning they have capital, mm-hmm. um, sophisticated. There's no proof that it's ever going to be there. People have been cutting lawns for 50 years. So, So my advice to people that are thinking that is, or, or they're not very excited about the business is like, well, Build this business to a point where it makes you half a million dollars a year and put a leadership team in place so you don't need to be there. And then you have half a million dollars a year of seed capital to go start your your yeah. moonshot idea. And if if it all goes away, you still have this asset over here producing money for you. Mm-hmm. And in the course of building that asset, you learn how to be a great business person. You yeah. learn finance and sales and marketing and operations and, and HR and people like you learned the game so so i think first of all that it's great that you're starting here sure um i also think that these things take a lot longer than some people realize mm. so don't be too impatient because like yeah. 30 is the new 20 you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so people are like they want to go to the next thing before they really like master what it is true. you know That's true. yeah um and and again like i don't love landscaping I'm not passionate about plants. I don't know why your tree is dead. Like, I don't know why. Like, I live in a condo, dude, you know? know? So, but to me, but I'm passionate about businesses. I'm passionate about recurring revenue model businesses with enterprise value. Um, to me, that's cool. So, so that keeps me stimulated in this company, despite the fact that I don't, I don't read like Turf Magazine, you know, but I like listen to Grant Cardone all the time. So, so you're in a good spot. Mm. And then another, I'm just kind of spitting here. So I hope some of this is landing. Yeah. 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 Um, Another thing I would tell you is that let's do a little math here and say, okay, I want to make, I want to make 200 grand a year. Okay. So if, if I want to make 200 grand a year, um, let's say that the stock market can return me 8%. I was taught this years ago, and I always remember this example. So let's say the stock market, which I think this is generous, let's say the stock market will make you 8% per year. Like if you're Warren Buffett, you're getting 12, right? So in order, let me grab my calculator. In order to make 200 grand a year in the stock market, despite what the gurus on YouTube will tell you, let's just even make it 10% for simplicity's sake. So, sure. in order to make 200 grand a year in the stock market, you need to have $2 million invested. Okay. Yeah. And in order to get that $2 million, that had to be after tax money. You had to pay taxes on all that. So, to get $2 million after taxes is probably like $3 million, right? Because you paid mm-hmm. 33% tax or whatever. So, you need to come up with $3 million of after tax money. And then you need to deploy it into something that you may or may not know much about yeah in order to get your 200 grand a year and that means that the pie isn't growing now because you're taking out all of your returns you're paying taxes on them again and that's and that's in order to make two hundred thousand dollars a year passively that's a pretty heavy lift to come up to make three million dollars of income after your living expenses and everything else pay taxes on it and then successfully deploy it into the public markets. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but how hard would it be to make 200 grand a year in your lawn business? Uh, that's maybe, you know, a million dollar company or a million and a half dollar company. You can make the same amount of money. The, The value of the business is growing at the same time, which is not in the stock market example. Yeah. Um, you have probably a similar amount of autonomy. And now you can still do your stock market play with your income from that business if you find that's the best place to deploy your capital. Yeah. So it's like, would you take that business and, and sell your golden goose? Like the guy told me, said the maybe I'm combining a few people here, but one guy told me like, you can have a cow and you can keep it healthy and you can milk it all the time. Or you can have barbecue one time. You can barbecue your cow right right it, right so i'm not discouraging you I, sure. I plan to have a big exit one day but the 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 value of that exit gets a mm. lot bigger as the as the business even gets a little bit bigger yeah, yeah. um so to to then go hey i'm gonna i'm gonna learn this skill set and i'll give you one more story i know i'm long-winded no you're good um I know a guy who started a lawn and landscape business, grew it to, I don't know, 30 mil or something, hmm. sold it. He sold it for like $54 million, um, a lawn and landscape business in here in the Midwest. And he had a no-compete for five years. And I said, dude, what are you going to do after your no-compete expires? I'm like, what are you going to do next? And he's like, I'm going to build the exact same company over again. Because I already know how to do it. I have all the contacts and connections and this and that. I'm going to sell it again. And I thought you were going to like go start a, go to tech or like buy a bunch of apartment communities or whatever. Like that's always yeah. the thing with us guys that like watch Instagram and it's like, I'm going to go, you know, do this next big thing. And he's like, I'm going to do the exact same thing I already did. Right. Like I can yeah. enjoy myself and go on the boat and fly and this and travel and do whatever the hell I want. And I know my my, I'm a one trick pony. I'm gonna build the exact same company and sell yeah.
0: it. Yes. Yeah.
1: So and he's smart. He's smarter than me. You know what I mean? And so that's just another example of like reframing a little bit of like if you if you're good at something, like you know, like I'm gonna build a long company and sell it for ten million, then I'm gonna go learn the real estate game, right? Or I'm gonna go get my butt kicked in something totally different. Um that might make you think twice.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So those are just some things that come to mind when you talk about that. But having said that, it's it's a very realistic thing for you to build a, build a business. Um, it'll be valued on EBITDA, which is profit. Mm-hmm. How profitable is it? It'll be valued on how much involvement do you have, right? If you show the buyer, hey, I'm the owner of this thing. I come here once a month and it runs. They'd be more inclined to buy that. Um, so you being... You know the business running on its own is valuable to a buyer and then scale right people don't want to buy a half million dollar company even if it has 90 percent profit margin because it's small like if one guy leaves you're you're in trouble right yeah. they want to they want a bigger machine that prints off money without right involved.
0: some risk management yeah 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 so what would what specifically um if you're in my shoes? with the experience that you have, what would you be doing to take a $300,000 business and turn it into a million dollar business in that amount of time? Is it possible? And if so, what would that look like in your opinion? How What would be the most efficient, most painless? I know it's still going to be rough, but what's the most painless way that you could go about it without making the same mistakes that maybe you made?
1: Mm, um, that's a great question. Will you tell me what your service mix is right now?
0: Yeah. So right now, it's primarily uh, mowing and maintenance. And then we'll do some like light landscaping, like mulch and uh, some topsoil. We'll throw some seed down. If you want a little bit of sod, that's fine, too. Um, But very not big project based, like all very like maintenance hedges mowing like mowing is kind of our bread and butter keeps the keeps the bills paid, keeps everything coming in. And then mulch is like a little bit of that, that little, you know, making some money on some on some jobs. And it's like, this is nice We're super profitable on these jobs it keeps our guys moving but it's not our main focus I'd love to I, I if I could make the same amount of money if I could have the same amount of, of revenue coming in even if the margin wasn't quite the same just from mowing and not have to do any mulch or anything like that I would uh but I'm just trying to get the guys you know paid and busy and that kind of stuff too
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think that's totally
1: realistic uh I wouldn't lose sight of your bottom line completely mm. um but I would say that I tell people all the time if you want to build a million dollar business, you have to go sell a million dollars worth of work. You, you need to sell it. So I would, I would have initiatives in place of getting as many customers as you can. Being really, really pushing it out there, I'd be posting a social every day. I'd be sticking door hangers around all my clients every single time I caught them. I would be, I would be really noisy. And you're going to have to spend money on marketing to get there. So you might have to take a little margin hit. Which, if your margins are good and you've got cash, then then marketing is an investment. It's not mm-hmm. an expense. You're investing money to make you more money. So I would. You're certainly going to have to market to get that kind of growth. Um, I would be going hard with the door hangers and the social media. And if you guys are good at mulch and you uh, are capable of doing it, and you do it at a good margin, I would do. I would be upselling mulch to every single customer that comes in your door. Yeah. I would not reinvent the wheel and say like, oh, we're going to go start working on sprinkler systems to, to get to our million dollars. Like that is the mistake so many people make as they, Mm. instead of just getting, doing more and more and more of what they do, they try to do like a whole new thing that kind of makes sense in their head. But it's like, no, dude, just do more mowing, more mulch. You just need more, more, more mowing and mulch.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay so tangible with the marketing side of things so hard with door hangers so even right now even when it's dry out go buy you know those thousands of door hangers and every time the guys are there tell them to throw you know door hangers up on all the houses around there like what would that look like give me some give, give me some tangibles cuz i i see a lot of like um, sometimes I'm not saying you're doing this, but like, sometimes the guys would be like, this is what you have to do. And I'm like, yeah, but what does that even look like? I don't know what it looks like for us in the company in a situation that we're in. Is that what it looks like? What, what would you say it looks like? What did it look like for you? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I apologize that I kind of speak in
1: like philosophy sometime.
0: No, you're good. I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You're like, dude, just
1: tell me what to do. I get it. So, uh, so if you want to apply some math to it, what's your average lawn cut?
0: Um, probably like 45,
1: 40, 45. Okay. 45 bucks. And now how many cuts you get per year?
0: Uh, about 20, about 28.
1: Okay. So 28 times 45 is $1,260. That's your client value per year. And now do you know how many door hangers have you done door hangers at all?
0: I have not. No.
1: Okay. Um, so what I would do, is I would make three different door hanger designs. And at the bottom of each, the bottom of design number one, I'd make, I'd put a little one or D one or whatever, like a code, right? I'd say D one, D two, and D three. So now you, now somebody calls and you're always trying to find out, how did you hear about us? I got a door hanger on my door. Okay, what's the code at the bottom? So, I would make a 1,000 or 2,000 of those three different designs. And then I would hang them all out. How many lawns you guys caught a week?
0: Um, Probably, gosh, by 90 to 100, if I had to say.
1: Okay. Call it 100. So, what we do, did, and still sort of do with our door hangers, is... We would call it nine arounds. I learned this. Um, I think I learned this from I learned it from a YouTube video for sure. I think I learned it from John Potosnik. Nine arounds. So we'd say, hey, guys, we're doing nine arounds this week. So when you cut the lawn, here's your account. Two houses on either side, these four, mm-hmm. hang a door hanger, and then run across the street and hit the five houses immediately across the street, do a nine around. So the nine houses around this house hang on these door hangers. So if you did that, if you did a nine rounds on your hundred accounts, you'd hang out nine hundred door hangers. Okay. Right. So what I would do, I'd go to your three designs and I'd go online, use Vista or whatever, and order I, to get a good enough sample. I'd like to see like at least two thousand of these door of each style. Okay. And now over the rest of the season here, um, I would get them all out via nine rounds, only in neighborhoods you want more work in. And when people call, I would say, how did you hear about us? And then I would keep track of your results. And what you'll find out is that, wow, door hanger one, I got 13 phone calls. Door hanger two, I got one phone call. Door hanger three, I got 48 phone calls, right? Well, now door hanger three is my best performing marketing piece. Mm. Okay. And then I would make, I would keep number three and then I would make two more. And I would split test those against each other again. And I would take like your top two best performing door hanger styles so this is your 2023 homework right okay. so by the end of the year you know you hold the ring you're like this thing kills it dude you like i know that when i hang out for every hundred of these i hang out i get four phone calls or whatever it is um and, and you kind of back into that math so then next year you go okay well my average customer is 1260 dollars, and i want to sell 600 grand in mowing I need 476 customers. This is my favorite. This is the number one app for any entrepreneur, dude. Throw away Snapchat. Throw away Instagram. Throw away TikTok. We
0: got the calculator, calculator, baby.
1: Right? I need 476 new customers. And I know that for every 100 door hangers I hang out, I get two customers or whatever. Right? Man. I'm making up some math here to illustrate yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. Then you simply come down to a point where you're like, we just got to hang out 10,000 door hangers, right? Yeah. That's, that's all I got to do. And so now I go, okay, every week, every week, we're going to hang out two, 2,000 or 1,000 or whatever it is. Mm. And now, you know, you've pretty much proven out, okay, I know that if we just hang out these 10,000 door hangers, we get 476 new customers. We'll sell 600 grand in revenue plus my 250 from last year. I'm at 850, right? Yeah. You do the math. Then here's a couple more things I would push your way. I would be, I would absolutely be all those new customers. I'd be running a mulch. I would be selling a mulch. I'd be calling them, Hey, Miss Jones, it's Caleb. I notice your beds are overgrown. We're running a mulch madness right now, or whatever, right? And like, I would love to mulch your property. Here's how much it cost you. I'm, I'm available to do this, and here's my window of time. And I would try to take it. We're like. Because you're going to be building into the second crew. So your one mowing crew is full-time already. Then you've got the second mowing crew that you're trying to fill them up. But you're like, oh, crap. Well, I only have three days' worth of work or whatever, okay? Mm -hmm. So now when you're calling your customers, you're going, every Thursday and Friday, we're mulching all day long. Yeah. and, And I can put you on next Friday, okay? So now try to take that crew and just stuff it full of mulch for those, however much spare time they have. And keep it simple for your customers, too. We have two colors, right? Don't go driving around the country to try to find. I want this special mulch or whatever. I'm sorry, Miss Jones. We have brown or black or red, right? Yeah. So you like simplify offerings so it's scalable. So your guys can load their trailer with a metric crap ton of brown mulch and they can go out and pop out all these mulch shops all day. Yeah. Right. Then you're in the background hanging door hangers, hanging door hangers, right? Feeding them lawns, feeding them lawns. Um you're just selling as much mulch as humanly possible. And then another thing that comes to mind that we did in the beginning is spring cleanup, fall cleanup, right? Mm -hmm. You guys do that? Like a leaf cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. I would be saying, Hey, if you buy mulch, you get 30% off your fall cleanup, right? Or something creative to tie those together. Yeah. So that now, instead of your customer being worth $1,260 here, because all they take is mowing. Now you're, you know, you'll start to come to some math where like for every three um, mowing customers I get, one of them takes mulch. So now instead of 476, like I need 438 because I know that they'll, that certain percentage of them will take mulch. Right. So those are just, I'm just spitballing. Like, this is how you build. This is how you stack. Right. And then the new guy you hire doesn't show up. And so you go deploy a crap load of hiring ads. Right. And most people be like, "Oh, this sucks. Like, I'll try again next year or whatever. We didn't hit our goals." But no, you got to be like, "Of course you didn't show up. Like, I'm expecting problems. I'm doing something hard. Yeah. If a baby could do it and hold it, if it was one button you had to hold your finger on and you had a million dollar company, like a baby could do it. Well, it's not that easy. So I'm going to be tenacious, and you just push your way through those problems and keep doing those types of things, and stack it up. And then back to the beginning of our conversation." Um, mm. I would absolutely, this winter, I would be hiring an office person. Yeah. And, and train them up on the basics of all the crap that you can't do right now. Here's how you invoice. Here's the, here's our email. Here's how to answer all the emails. If you have a question, call me, here's how to. you start training. them. like the girl I had in the beginning, it, she was, became my best salesperson. You know? Yeah. Here's how to, every time the phone rings, read this, you know what I mean? <laughs> like,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So to get to your million without losing your sanity, you're gonna I think that'd be a good hire for you. And it's usually pretty easy to find like um a middle aged guy or gal who wants to work from home on their laptop for five hours a day or whatever. Yeah. I didn't even have an office when I hired. You.
0: Yeah. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if I have anything else pointing. because that was just like give me some very, very tangible things to work on. Um is there anything else that you want to share? You don't you feel like um we didn't t- touch on enough. Um, and then we can wrap it up, talk a little bit about what you have going on. Um, and give you give you a little plug here too, because I think you have a cool thing going as well. Any any final words of wisdom that you want to share with us? Um
1: <clears throat> for your you've got a great thing going, right? Your audience is most like younger folks just getting started in the business. Yeah. Um, I would say a couple things. I would say that like Instagram isn't real most of the time. Mm. Um, it's it's going to be harder than you think. It's going to take longer than you think, but it's also going to be way, way, way better than you could possibly imagine. Um, I would say that entrepreneurship is the best self-development journey you could ever go on. It's Agreed. like a great way to become a great human being and live a great, exciting life. Mm. And... Um, the like 90% of self-made millionaires own businesses and the rest of them own real estate. Right. So like you're on the right journey. If you want to become the best version of yourself and you want to make a lot of money and you want to become somebody who's resilient to challenges and can put up with a lot of pressure and become a really well-rounded human being. Um, you guys are on the right track. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it. Now give us a, give us the, cause this was, this was crazy. I could do this. I could do this for hours. Um, this, the Same. specific stuff, just the, the, the nitty gritty of like, what needs to happen. And I'm literally going to get off right now. And I'm going to be like, all right, we've got, we're going to make three d- designs for door hangers. We're going to get those yard signs that are in the truck. We're going to get all the new stakes out there. We're going to get them out there. We're just going to go after it. We're going to come after these clients looking for reviews, that kind of stuff. We're just going to, I'm just going to blitz it today. Um, Tell us a little bit more about uh, about what you got going on because you we were talking about it earlier before you hopped on, but give us give us the rundown. I think Green Industry Masterminds. What is what is that? What is what is your mission with that, and and how can that help people? Who are, who are yeah? Listening?
1: So so Green Industry Masterminds is a peer group that I help run. I have a partner in the group named Carson Jones, and we um, we run a private peer group that helps people. Um, learn how to build businesses and bypass some of the, the challenges that we've encountered and we've experienced early on. I know I said earlier in the call that the separator is hard work. It's no longer information, but there is a, a void of information there for businesses in our industry of a certain size. So once you get over a million in revenue, there's only, you're in the top 90th percentile of businesses in this industry. It's only 10% of people ever get there. And those 10% of people are usually like busy running their company so it's a little harder to find information about how to build a sales team or how to build financial models things of that sort so we do a lot of that and um, it's a paid group it's a private group but we're also big on like the um the the brotherhood and the accountability piece because entrepreneurship's hard dude and it's lonely and most people can't really relate or understand mm. you know the average American business is 90 days from bankruptcy uh and it's We've been down the road, man. I've been robbed. I've been sued. I've been stabbed in the back. I've had trucks get T boned. I've had people steal my employees, all of the above. And so we started the group to help coach people through and give people the encouragement and information they needed to bypass some of those challenges and the accountability. Because, you know, you, like I said, you can you can tell somebody how to do this stuff, but just so few people do it because they don't have somebody holding them accountable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And just so that you guys are listening, not paid to say that or anything like that, but I, I have to say, probably going to join the group. Just just saying, just throwing that out there. Just because um, I, I think there's definitely value in it. And I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of other podcasts you listen to, hey, you know, paid sponsorship, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I wouldn't be like all in if I didn't like see it. Like this conversation here was killer. Like I, I have to say like huge thank you to you for taking time out of your day to, to have this conversation. It's always, it's always fun to have these conversations. Um, and I don't want it to be like, uh, to the, to the, the people listening, like, uh, Oh, just trying to sell me on something. And this, that, the other thing, do what you will do what you want. Um, but if you want to, if you want to grow, if you want to take it to the next level, you know, I'm here, Chester's here. There's a, there's a lot of guys who can help um and sometimes it does take some discernment of hey is this guy just looking to make a fast buck on me and sell a course or is he looking to actually you know help me get my business to the next level and i will say generally the people who want to get you to the next level it's generally not cheap um just throwing it out there business is not something to be like taken lightly um and so for those of you guys listening first off chester thank you so much for coming on that was uh that was great. I, I'd say that's one of my favorites, if not my favorite so far, just so much good information there. And like, I just got like this coaching session, which is awesome. And uh, we went, uh, we went a little bit long, but I hope you guys got value out of that too. Um, if you have to go listen to it again, because there's just like a couple of just nuggets in there where it's like, now you have the information guys, like you don't even have to listen to another one of my podcast episodes until you do the things that you, that you heard here. That were like, hey, this is, and then you go, it clicks, and you go, oh, this is what I need to do. Go, just do it, right? If you're, if you're the guy, I'm just thinking of, of my friend I talked to him today, Danny Bova. Uh, if you're listening, Danny, this is, this is, this one's for you. Where this morning I was talking to him, he was like sitting at Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, waiting for his guys to show up, and we were talking, and uh, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm working like seven days a week, and this, that. he could literally just get an office person, probably cut that down to six days a week. He could probably make a couple good hires, be down to four or five days a week, so that he can focus on growing again, and like that's like the pointed thing, like. If just pick one thing here, take it, take that one thing and take action on it. Like right now, like if you're sitting on a mower right now, the end of the today, the mower gets shut off, get off of that mower instead of scrolling on Instagram, which is, we just said like, it's a lot of it is like hyped up. Just think of like what you post in it. I just think of what I post on Instagram, totally unrealistic stuff, you know, just like the highlight reel of, of our lives is like on Instagram. And so don't take the things that you see out there as being like, don't just, don't just spend the time looking at other people enjoying it. Like, turn it off for an evening. Maybe don't play the video games or whatever you do in the evening to kind of unplug a little bit. Maybe spend a little bit less time doing that or say, I'm not going to do that thing until I've gotten done what I I need to do. For me, pointedly, that was like, today, I'm going to go out. We're going to make these three-door hanger designs. I'm going to get them ordered so that they're coming in. We're going to order stakes for our yard signs. We're going to get those there. I've been kind of slow on getting decals and and wrapping the truck. Going to make sure we have an appointment scheduled for that. Like, pointed things, guys. So, with that being said, uh, so much Thank you so much for for tuning in uh thanks again Chester for for coming on that was ah that was so good I I really enjoy these and um for those of you guys um go check out green industry masterminds is that are you guys just on like a Facebook group specifically or where, where can they can where can they find you and and uh the group
1: yeah we have a website check out our website um there's a place you can apply on there and uh at the very least you know hit us up we'll talk to you We'll try yeah. to coach you along, get, send you on your way with some valuable information, even if you don't end up joining, you know, we're here yeah. to
0: help. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'll, I'll throw a link down below. If it, it's going to make it easier for you guys. So Chester, again, thank you so much. It was uh, hey, it was man. killer guys. Um, Make sure you tune in again. I'm, I'm going to try and get on the, on the millionaire train of, of the guys crushing it with their businesses. Cause I just want to keep these conversations going. And I think this is the stuff that gets people to the next level. And hopefully we're penetrating a little bit into the younger guys who all you see on YouTube is the guy with, uh, you know, the enclosed trailer and the fancy mowers and the fancy truck and that kind of stuff. And business can be more than that. You can love the, like we were saying, you can be an operations guy and love the business side of things too, and planting plants and mowing grass and that kind of stuff too. But you can also make a really good living. And maybe if you're like, I'm kind of in this to make money, but you feel a little bit lost, like I do personally, like when guys are telling me about equipment delays things, like I know what they're talking about. I definitely get it. And I definitely have an opinion. But sometimes I'm like, yeah, dude, but like, instead of driving a massive pickup truck, I'd rather drive a Porsche. To be honest with you, same amount of money, I'd rather drive a Porsche. But I have to drive a truck for work and that kind of thing, and I'm kind of in that boat. So if you're in that boat, I think the the next couple ones coming out are going to be for you. Um, I'll catch you guys here in a couple of days, and I'll talk to you soon.